And uh, today we are part three of our uh, preaching series. And, uh, and as I've been gearing up for, for to preach today, I've been, I've been thinking a lot and pondering about this, this phenomenon called the word selfie. A thing called a selfie that, that exploded onto the world uh, stage in the last couple of decades and taking prominence over all of social media. And I want to just make this statement up front that I really do think that the selfie is the dumbest thing ever. It is the dumbest thing that has ever been invented. You see, I, I read a stat that the average cell phone user has between 500 to 1,000 photos of themselves on their device. Just of themselves. Can you imagine when you're going through someone's photos, it's, it's me, 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 cat photo, me, 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 cat photo, perfectly created photo of a coffee cup in the morning, me, 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 a meme that granny shared, me, me, me. That is the standard user's photo library in their phone. Now, I grew up in a decade, a glorious decade called the 90s, where cell phones in those days were the size of, relatively speaking, a small human being. And uh, these incredible cell phones were, were, uh, they were also used for making phone calls, sending please call me's, and playing a game called Snake 2. That was the full extent of cell phones in the 90s. And, uh, and I remember that we used to take photos. Now, maybe you're a little bit younger and you, you want to lean in here. This is how we took photos in the 90s with something called a camera. Uh, a Kodak camera was, the, was the, 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 the brand of choice for the Phillips family. And these... these Rash them out. There's no stupid photo taking here. You know, because once you've used those 36 photos, no matter what happens in the rest of the holiday, you're not taking images of it. Jesus could come back. Can't take a photo of that. 36 photos are done. Just you, you got to make sure. Rash them out. Then when you get home, you had to before you could see them, you had to send them in to get uh, to get. Uh, process. I don't even know what the word is anymore. And, and they would have to wait. And the incredible thing that would, ha would, would help us in this journey was this beautiful word called patience. And you have to wait. It's a word that I don't know if you, many of you know anymore. And you have to wait until you get these photos and you'll get all these beautiful photos and you'll look at them like, ah, they're awesome. And half of them have got your thumb in the way and you're like, ah, what happened? You know? But now we've graduated to smartphones. And I just think about it. I go with all this technology at our disposal, signal that goes to space and back in milliseconds. And we use this incredible technology to take photos of ourselves. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, I've been reading, there's a whole lot of, on the internet, if you go and search for it later, it makes uh, dramatic reading, stories of selfie-related deaths. Let me give you a couple this morning. Yeah, welcome to church. A 32-year-old woman from North Carolina was driving when her vehicle veered across the center lane, colliding with a recycling trunk, uh, left the road, hit a tree, and burst into flames moments after posting selfies online when she heard Pharrell Williams' song, Happy. Two young men died in the mountains after they pulled the pin from a live hand grenade to take a selfie. The phone with the picture remained as evidence of the circumstance of their deaths. And thirdly and finally, a boat overloaded with 20 people in a reservoir in central Java capsized when the passengers all suddenly moved to one side of the vessel to take a group selfie. Nine of the passengers drowned, including two children. Let me tell you this. Our self-obsession is literally killing us. It is literally killing us. And there's story after story, but I want to tell you that what's actually worse is what our self-obsession is doing at a heart level. 
And this is not something new. I'm not on a, a tirade against smartphones or social media. This is something that's been going on since the very beginning. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, we're told that God made man in his image. And I believe ever since that first page, man has then spent the rest of, of humanity trying to remake God in our own image. In Genesis chapter 3, when, when Satan comes to tempt Eve, he has the thing that we need to understand. When Satan tempted Eve, he didn't say, Eve, I want to tempt you away from the good design of God by saying, look at me, Satan. Satan tempted Eve by saying, look at yourself. He turned the lens of humanity that was supposed to be positioned, the lens of humanity that was supposed to be positioned on God, reflecting God and glorifying Him, and said, turn the lens on yourself. And humanity has been absorbed themselves ever since. And that's when we get into Proverbs chapter 1. We've been reading this book of Proverbs together, navigating our way through the words to the wise. And in Proverbs chapter 1, it starts off with sin whispering seductively, enticing, quiet voice. And the, vo the voice of wisdom being a loud voice on the street corners, calling out to whoever may hear. But to flip a couple pages, chapter 5, just by chapter 5 alone, we find that the roles have been reversed, and now sin is standing on the street corners. Sin is shouting out. Our flesh is shouting out. Self is shouting out. The enemy is shouting out, look at me, come to me. And wisdom has been pushed to the periphery. We've been preaching. I want to tell you today that sin is calling you. Sin is looking to destroy you. It's coming after your heart and it's just doing all of this by trying to keep you obsessed with you. The series, week one, we said we want to be done with dumb. We're waging war on, on stupidity, on foolishness. We are waging war on, on the issues of our heart that want to come and surrender. It's the heart attacks that wanting to come again and again and plague our hearts and pull it to, to superficiality, pull it away to triviality, pull it away from the high call of God in Christ Jesus. We're waging war. We're saying we're done with dumb. We said last week that we don't want to waste our days. And today I want to tell you the title of my sermon is Death to Selfie. Death to Selfie. Why don't you write that in this chat if you are with us today, if you're on the same page and you're saying, actually, I'm wanting to wage war with you, Gabe. We are preaching this together. Why don't you write that in this chat right now? Say, Death to Selfie. And then if you're really feeling brave, send us a selfie picture in the comments. Let's do this thing together, people. We want to know who's watching here. But I want to read a scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It'll appear on the screen next to me. It says this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. I love this scripture. Above all else. Above all else. If you've got a pen, you want to align that. Above all else. Above getting wealth. Above getting health. Above getting prosperity. Above getting health, above getting a six-pack, happiness, a promotion, success, a spouse, above the vaccine, above uh, the getting a cure, above it all, above it all, it says, guard your heart. Other translation says, with all diligence, with all your strength, with, uh, with being, it's a word that's saying, it's not a passive thing, this is not a sitting back and just allowing life to happen, no, this is an aggressive, let's get on the front foot in this, guard your heart. Why? For it will determine the course of your life. Let me say this categorically. If you and I fail at this, the Bible tells us we failed at life. Above all else, guard your heart for it will, it will, it will determine the course of your life. Fail at this, you fail at life. 
But today we want to ask for wisdom. So why don't we pray together as we lean into the word of God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you, Father God, you may your word and your people collide today with faith. And would it do the work that you have established it to do in our hearts, sent it forth to do in our hearts. I thank you, Father God. We ask now for wisdom. I pray for wisdom for me. I pray for wisdom for my family. I pray for wisdom for our people. I pray for wisdom for the people of God in this time, in this day and age, that we would be able to wage war on our self-obsession, wage war on the enemy's plans, wage war and be uh, being awake to the heart attacks that the enemy has against us. That we will be able to say, above all else, we're guarding our hearts. And it will determine the course of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I'm preaching, and, uh, and I'll be straight with you up front. This, is no, uh, this will probably not be a, the top 10 popular preachers of the year, um, but I really believe it will be in your top 10 most important preachers you'll ever hear. And then that's not because I believe it's the most uh, exciting or the most, uh, uh, can I use the word, sexy or flamboyant. I believe, though, it's the Word of God to you and I. And I want to tell you Jesus' strategy, Jesus' strategy and how we're going to guard our hearts. It may be a little bit different than you first expect. Number one, the first way for you and I to guard our hearts, to say death to selfie, is to deny yourself. Deny yourself. You see, the wisdom of the world, I've said it many times, but the wisdom world is this, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. You've got to find out your true essence. Pursue personal happiness. Pursue pleasure. Pursue fulfillment. Pursue enlightenment. The above all else of the world is be true to you. Above all else, you do you. But this is what Jesus says. But before we get this there, let me just tell you, this is what the, the, the way of the world says this, whatever you want, go get it. It doesn't matter what, that you took an oath to be committed to this person. If he or she doesn't make you feel happy anymore, you have the right to leave. No one has the right to judge you. What matters most is that you love who you are. That's what the world are, are pushing down our throats again and again from so, social media influences, even from pulpits around the world. We told, told this in different guises and shapes and forms that you do you, be true to you. But this is what Jesus says in Mark 8 verse 34. He says this, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. These are the words of Jesus. I want to tell you today, deny yourself. If you want to know what it means to deny yourself, and you say, well, how do I start? Where is this? Is that some ascetic type of uh, self-flagellation? How do I deny myself? How do I put myself second? How do I put myself back in the story? I want to tell you, you start by affirming His Word. To deny yourself starts by affirming His Word. You see, I think too often the people of God these days have changed the Word of God to being the suggestions of God. The helpful thoughts, if it fits in with your world. I've heard people say this, a lot of these arguments saying, I don't think a loving God would do X, Y, Z. I don't think a God would, would say X, Y, Z. Can I tell you what I respond when, when anyone, even my own heart, because there's heart attacks that come against my heart, and I say, I don't think God would want me to do, or wouldn't want that, and I try to fit him into my own image. I, I just want to throw back as Isaiah 55 verse 8, which says, you think your thoughts are not my thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are not your ways. This is the understanding of the gospel is that maybe we say it this way. Is it that Jesus never said it or is it that we don't want him to have said it? On a lot of issues, we're like, 
we just actually want to, it's not that Jesus is quiet on these issues, it's just that we don't want it to be center stage. And actually, what I feel that we've almost done is it feels like with the world, we've taken, and not the world, even the church, we've taken a pair of scissors to the Bible. And we read different portions of the Bible, and we see pages pop up, and we're like, we're reading, and we're like, I don't like that, and we trim it out. Just chuck that out. Don't need that one, please. Don't need that verse. And then we read something, and we go, oh, that's a little bit Old Testament style. That's a little bit Old Testament. Surely that's not what Jesus meant. I don't like that verse. You know, that verse that touches on sexuality and gender. Uh, it doesn't really fit into my framework. Let me just hack it away there. Not that one. You know, I love the loving Jesus stuff, but don't tell me what to do about relationships. Oh, finances, taxes, tithing. That is so old covenant. Let's cut it out, man. Jesus, you don't even understand what you were talking about there. Let's get rid of it. You know, we start to cut into the word of God. We say lust and corruption, cohabitation. You know, it's the new normal. Jesus, don't you, you dare. You don't know how much prices are these days living together. Let's just cut it out. And, you know, I don't want to, come on, we just start cutting away racism. We say, you know what, it's just a joke. I don't, no, come on, let's just leave it. It's not a big problem. We start cutting things out of the Word of God. And let me tell you that I really believe when the, the, the apostles said that you must correctly divide the Word of truth, he didn't mean this division. He didn't mean this subtraction. You see, this is the understanding. His Word must define you. His word must define you. It is our definition for living. It is not just a suggestion. It's not just an encouragement. It's not just a pick-me-up. And I want to tell you, if it's not defining you, it's like we're coming to a tank fight holding a water pistol, and we're going to keep getting flattened again and again. You see, I love Jesus in the wilderness. He's there in the wilderness, and the enemy comes, and the enemy tries again, takes the, the, the camera out and says to him, turn the lens on yourself, Jesus. You must be hungry. You deserve to eat, Jesus. You deserve it. Turn the selfie image on. Put the selfie on. Turn these stones into bread, Jesus. And everything inside of Jesus could have in that moment said, I am God. I have the power. I can do this. I'm going to pull it into me. But he knew that actually it wasn't self that was defining him. It wasn't be true to yourself, Jesus. It was I am the word of God. And it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the flesh cries out. The flesh cries out. I know this because my flesh cries out loud. And it says, fill me. It says, give in to me. And the more you feed it, the more it demands. But you see, the way of Jesus is not self-actualization. The way of Jesus is self-denial. I want to say today, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for it will determine the course of your life. Secondly, today, deny yourself. Jesus then goes on and tells us to lose yourself. And again, it's not Eminem didn't say it first. Jesus did. But the world, the wisdom of the world says this. This is the wisdom of the world right now is find yourself. Go on a quest to find you. It's just the words of the, of the enemy repackaged and, and jazzed up with a nice filter on it that actually seems to hit at the very heart of humanity. Find yourself, promote yourself, inflate yourself, take the credit, get ahead, win the argument, tag yourself, justify yourself, excuse yourself, find yourself. But again, this is what Jesus says in Mark 8, verse 35 to 37. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's like these days, our, our theology, our type of understanding, our journey of, of, of finding ourselves goes like this, mirror, mirror on Facebook, tell me how I'm supposed to look. Maybe for a little bit more of the millennials, mirror, mirror on Instagram, tell me who I really am. So we're leaning into the mirror of social media to get our approval, to get our, our, our identity, our focus. And I want to say it again, our self-obsession is killing us. We are more depressed, more relationally fractured, and, and more spiritually lukewarm than ever before in humanity. You know, in 2010, the new decade of self-obsession was launched with the anthem from the prophets, the, these spiritual gurus named Ludacris and DJ Khaled, <laughs> who preached this song, All I Do Is Win, 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 Win. An anthem that was declaring over a new decade, this is who we are. We position for the more. We position for victory. Win, win, win. That's what we do. Find yourself. I always I, I listen to it and I go, try telling that to Apostle Paul. All you do is win, 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 win. This is what Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 8 to 11. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from Christ, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I love this. Paul is calling everything else in his life in comparison to Christ as rubbish, yeah. as dung, or as the, the literal translation would be, and I quote here, crap. It is as rubbish. It is as dung. It is as crap compared to the insurpassable knowledge of knowing Jesus. Yeah. And you see the, 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 this, the context of Philippians 3 is, the, you see, he's telling us that his CV what his peers thinks, what his history declared, who he is, his CV, his peers, his history says, this is who you are, Paul. You are an apostle of apostles. You're a Jew of Jews. You studied under Gamaliel. This is who you are. And Paul said, rubbish, that's not who I am. You see the pull of the crowd, the fear of man, people pleasing, resume building, image managing is destroying you. I plead with us today. Don't forfeit your soul. Maybe it's for somebody at the other end of this camera right now needs to hear this. Don't forfeit your soul for temporary happiness. Right now, in this moment, don't forfeit your soul for the sake of your reputation. Don't forfeit your soul for the sake of self-pity. Don't forfeit your soul for the itching of your flesh. You see, the Bible See, a different way. The world, every, all we do is win, win, win. Find yourself. The Bible says these words again and again, not on the periphery, not on something that we want. We love just to cut it out. We love to cut out all those pages of these words in the Bible. But this is what the Bible says, that lose, surrender, sacrifice, give away, decrease. These are the words of the Bible. These are the ways to guard your heart according to Scripture. And all of this is not to give away for the sake of nothing. No, it's for the sake of knowing Him. The surpassing greatness. 
Lose your life, and the Bible says you will find it. If you want to find yourself, find Him. Above all else, or maybe I can say it more soberly, if you love your life here so much, you will lose it there. You see, the sign of the times, the Bible says in the, in, in, in the book of Matthew, I've said it many times when you're trying to navigate, are these the end days? I'd say you can keep your blood moons, you can keep your mark of the beast, you can keep your 5G Illuminati theories. The Bible tells us that actually a, a great sign of the end times is that the love of many will grow cold. And I want to ask this question of my own heart and us today. If our hearts are cold to the things of God, if our hearts are lukewarm to the things of God, maybe we've been clinging too tightly to our lives. Let go, lose it. Above all else, guard your heart, for it will determine the course of your life. Thirdly and finally, deny yourself, lose yourself. Thirdly, Jesus says this, die to yourself. Die to yourself. You see, the wisdom of the world says this, hashtag live your best life. Hashtag I'm living my best life. You see, that hashtag has clocked over 4 million posts and counting on Instagram. The, uh, a simple Google search of that phrase will yield over 6.1 billion results. This is the economy of the world. This is the pursuit of happiness. This is the agenda of our age. The spirit of our age is the camera lens is fixed on you. And no matter what, you live your best life. That is the aim. That is the agenda. That is the focus. And this is your above all else. Live your best life. This is what Jesus says through Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I love the Apostle Paul. He goes on and he tells us when he elaborates on this, he actually says that he dies daily. He says, I die daily. I put down, I surrender my flesh daily. I die to self daily. And this is so flies in the face of what the world is saying. The world is saying, I live every second with me at the forefront of my mind. Not just the world, me, if I'm honest. Most days, my mind is dead. Everything is saying, you, 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 you. What about you, Gabe? How will you get ahead? What does that relationship mean to you? Who is like this? Who has seen this? Who has seen you? Who's validated you? Who's encouraged you? You, you, you. What does your future look like? When Jesus said, no, no, it's not about you. Die to self. And here's my big statement today that maybe we need to put deep in our hearts. Maybe we aren't living in resurrection power because we haven't truly died. I look at the church worldwide, lots of talking, very little power, a lot of posturing, a lot of self-obsession, a lot of look at us, look how great we are when actually the church was meant to be a reflection of Him. And maybe we aren't living in the fullness of resurrection power in your marriage, resurrection power in your finances, resurrection power in your relationships, resurrection power in your parenting, resurrection power in your relationship with Jesus because you truly haven't died yet. Maybe it's time, and I say this soberly, that actually I think there's a whole lot of killing of flesh that needs to be done today. Decisions of, I'm going to, in the bare sense of the word, I'm going to kill myself. That's what Paul's saying. I've been crucified with Christ. 
I have put myself on the cross and been crucified on the cross. That is what baptism is in its reality. Baptism is the drowning of the old man. The drowning of the old man. You stay under till the old man is done, and when you come out, behold, I'm a new creation. Yes, it's symbolic, but I think too many of us are so quick in and out. We think, ah, it's done, yay, move on, hashtag, best day ever, living my best life. No, the old has died. Jesus says this, pick up your cross and follow me. It is scandalous. Verses that we don't love preaching, verses that we have conveniently cut out, verses that we say, I don't like that, and we talk away. Maybe Jesus didn't mean it actually like that. When Jesus said that, how offensive it was, because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. So the cross, when he says, pick up your cross and follow me, it's, it was so shocking and violent imagery because that cross was not a, a symbol of mercy and grace yet. The world only saw it as a symbol of public execution for criminals. So when he says, pick up your cross, it's like him saying to us today, pick up the electric chair and, and lethal injection and follow me. What? Can you imagine us walking in the streets with a chair strapped to our back and injecting? I'm not too sure what's going on here. But that's the, 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 curry, the call that we call to. And I say this strongly today, that if you're wanting to determine your course of life, I speak to men out there, die to self. Die to self for the sake of your wives. That is your whole call in Christ. Yeah, Ephesians 5 says, husbands, don't say, yeah, but my, my be- you want to live your best life. You want to find yourself. You want to pursue happiness. What do you do? Do you? No, die to self and you'll find life. Single men, single women out there, I say die to self right today. Die to self. Surrender the flesh. Surrender the lusts and desires of your heart. Say, God, I'm dying to self. For the sake of God's call, Luke 14 verse 27 says it this way. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Maybe you're watching this and you're like, yo, Gabe, you're a bit fired up and this is harsh. Not harsher than Jesus. Not stronger than Jesus. These are his words. If you do not do this, if this is not your above all else, it will determine your course of life, but it will determine it to death. Our self-obsession is killing us. You see, I, I, I think these days, as I bring this into land, we've, we've, so, we've traded, we've cut, so cut out the pages, and we've, we've danced between different agendas and self-obsession, sometimes kneeling before God, we're making sure the filter's on us a little bit. I want to tell you today, we've, we've created a God that's in our own image. God surely wouldn't say that. God surely wouldn't do this, and we've made a woke Jesus. A woke Jesus, a Jesus that we fluffed his hair, we fit him in. We water him down. We apologize for him. It's, it's what one commentator says. We've actually surrendered true Christianity for some form of moralistic, therapeutic deity. How does it make you feel? Jesus didn't come to make you feel better. He came to kill you, to raise you to life in him. He says, this is this encouragement for us. I tell you, the Jesus, the woke Jesus of our day that are being preached from pulpits, but also being preached by our lives every day. So don't hear me. I've got not a finger pointing. I've got a finger here saying, Jesus, do it in me. A Jesus that we say, we don't want him to offend you. We don't want him to put you out. We want him to be a nice extra. Maybe he's just, he's just happy to be a Sunday hobby for you. No. And I want to tell you, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And I will not apologize for the God of the Bible. You see, Jesus comes in in, this, in, the, in the New Testament when we first capture glimpses of him. And disciples are trying to make sense of this Jesus. You see, in, the, in those days, the, the pagan religions of the day was the, the god Baal, who was the god of the storms and the waves. 
And then they opposed him. They always said there was mythology that these two gods were, were in, 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 in fighting with each other, in con, conf, conflict with each other, the god Yem, who is the god of the wind. And that's why when the storms would rage and the wind would blow, they'll say, oh, Baal and Yem are at it again. Irreconcilable. Those gods would keep and torment sailors and torment people. And that's one day the, the disciples in the boat and they are freaking out. And they wake up Jesus, say, Jesus, don't you care if we die? The storm is raging, the wind is raging, Baal and Yem are having at it. And Jesus walks up unstressed and speaks one word, says, peace, be still. And it says the storm stopped, the wave stopped, the wind stopped in a millisecond. The disciples' response is they were terrified. And they said, who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? That Baal and Yem submit in a second. Let me tell you, the very next scene, he steps off that boat and he encounters a man named Legion, full of demons that has plagued the community for years. They have no answer for him, no solution for him. And the, the demonic inside of him cries out as he sees Jesus says, No! Why have you come for us? And Jesus, not stressed, not worried, not anxious, sees this demon. And they said, Please descend, please descend us out into his pigs, Jesus, please. The demonic is begging of Jesus. And Jesus, with one word, says, Be free. Woof. And the demons leave this man. And they are terrified as said he begs Jesus to leave them. This is not some woke Jesus. This is almighty God that not only the winds and the waves obey him, but the demonic obeys him. And let me tell you the very next scene is he arrives at a girl's house who has died. And he walks into a room and everyone else is screaming. Everyone else has got, they don't know what else to do. They're mourning. They've got no more answers. And he walks in and with one word says little girl, Talitha Koum, little girl, get up. And she responds, and the Bible tells us they were terrified of him. The wind and the waves obey him. The demonic obeys him. Even death submits to his voice. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the God that we are calling to. And this is the one I'm calling us to respond to today. I, I land finally with this story. This captures my heart. I've, I've known this story for years. I keep coming back to, to pour fuel into my desires to follow him. A man named Jim Elliott. In the 1950s, post-World War II, a man in his mid-twenties, a man with huge prospects, a man in the brave new world who has just got married, the world at his fingertips, and, and, and people are writing articles about this guy, a potential leader into the future of the brave new America coming out of World War II and what the world will look like. But he gets a glimpse of God. He gets a glimpse of a God, the, 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 the photo of self. Everything is on him. You, 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 Jim. But he says, no, no, I'm not me. I'm going to say death to selfie. It's him. And he sees him, the one who was and is and is to come. Not some Jesus in our own image, but Jesus. The one who the winds and waves submit to. The one who death submits to. The one that the demonic fears and flees from. At the mention of his name, he sees him. And he says, people must know about this Jesus. So Jim gives up everything. And he goes to Ecuador to a people called the Alca people, a savage and dangerous people in the remotest part of Ecuador who do not know of Jesus. And for a long story short, that the, the whole thing comes to an end at the age of 28, when for the first time, Jim and his colleague, four other colleagues, step out of the helicopter for the first time to go and engage with these people. As he's about to preach them without saying a word, an arrow flies from one of their, uh, from one of their bows, hits him in the head, and Jim dies along with the, other, with the others who went with them, and their bodies washed down the stream without saying a word. In America, when this news came back, the headlines in the newspapers were, what a waste of such a life. The headline says, unfilled potential. 
Blood is on the church's hands. Who let this young man go to such a silly death when he had his whole life ahead of him? Until that was the rhetoric, until his wife at his funeral read a paragraph from Jim's diary that was written that year leading up to that moment. Jim wrote this line. It'll be on the screen here. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This man was driven to that place. Let me tell you, the end of the story was so many people, so many missionary students' hearts were so stirred with this line, not with the lines and the hashtags of the day, you do you, you live your best life, but actually, I am no fool. I'm gonna deny myself. I'm gonna lose myself. I'm gonna die to self for the sake of the gospel. Hundreds upon hundreds of missionaries went into that village, and years later, the children of, of, of Jim Elliott were baptized by the men who shot the arrow that killed his dad. We're living for something much bigger. And I want to tell you, this is what true wisdom is. True wisdom today, I tell you, is deny yourself. True wisdom today is lose yourself. True wisdom today is die to self. Death to selfie. I tell you, today is the day when everything that we have that is fixated on us, fixated on us, fixated on us, look at me, look at me, look at me, our whole world, look at me, look at me, but comes a moment where we say, death to selfie. Death to selfie, I'm done. Everybody, wants to go to heaven. But nobody wants to die. But I tell you, today's a day of death so we may live. You see, I say this, you can't guard a self-obsessed heart. It's impossible. Today I can come quote this proverb, I will ask God your heart and give you practical steps and do this, do that, do this. But can I tell you, your self-obsession will just kick in in a different gear and you'll turn the camera on you again. But I tell you, if you want to guard your heart today, I tell you, this is what the Bible says, you need to get a new one. You need to get a new one. You can't guard your old heart, your own self-obsessed heart. You need to get a new one. And here's the great kicker that he invites us to. God says, I want your life. The question and invitation to you and me as the church of Jesus Christ, the true church at this time and this age, right now for everybody listening, He wants your life. Do you want His? Do you want His? You see, I'd say this proof of His power is in His wounds. This is not some new wisdom. This is old wisdom. That resurrection power flows from Emmanuel's veins. Jesus denied himself, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus lost himself to the world. Jesus died to self so that we could live. Maybe we're not living in resurrection power because we're not truly dead. I'm going to pray for us now, but I really believe today's a day when we are unleashing an unstoppable church. An unstoppable church to say death to selfie. Death to selfie. Right now, I'm going to pray in three. I'm going to count to three. If you are saying, Gabe, include me in that prayer. And please, don't type this in if you don't mean it. Because this prayer, though it may be short, this prayer will cost you everything. This prayer will cost you everything. Every marriage, every family, every parent, every individual, every single person, no matter the age, no matter your race, no matter your spectrum, where you find yourself right now, I tell you, today is the day where we can declare death to selfie and see the life of God flow in our lives. Because above all else, guard your heart. For from it flows the course of your life. Right now, type in death to selfie. One, two, three. Type it in the chat. Death to selfie.
Father, I pray as people are typing that in, as their hearts are responding and saying, I'm, I'm laying my life down, Jesus. I'm picking up my cross to follow you. I'm denying myself. Jesus, today I'm saying I'm losing myself. I'm no longer wanting to live myself at the center. Today I'm dying to self. I thank you, Father God, that spirit of the living God, would your power kick in. At that point of sacrifice, that point of obedience, spirit of the living God, would you pour out your fire? Would you pour your life? I pray for Jim Elliott to stir in hearts. I thank you, Father God. We are yet to see the heart of a fully surrendered man or woman to God. As they say, I will lay it down so that your kingdom come. I must decrease so you must increase. Have it all, Jesus. No longer God in my image. You are God. You are great. Who is this man that the winds and waves obey him? Who is this man that the demonic flees from him? Who is this man that death even submits to him. His name is Jesus and he calls for our utmost. He calls for our highest. He calls for our everything. Death to selfie. I thank you Father God as we pray this. Would you unleash your church like never before? Because above all else, guard your heart for from it it will determine the course of your life. God bless you. We're praying for you and let's live for him. Amen.